Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conduit Church, joined with our Lean Pastor. Did you just call me the Lean Pastor? (laughs) Thank you. I've received that in Jesus' name. Yes, the Lean Lead Pastor, Darren Tyler. (laughs) And our good friend, Donna Van Leer, author, um, speaker, researcher, historian. No. <laughs> no, I'm just adding things at this Reader. point. Um, she leads our prayer team here at Conduit, which is an incredible ministry that is growing, and we're excited about that. But uh, Donna is, um, she's like I mentioned, she's an author and has written some incredible books. And Dana, did you bring those? Mm-hmm. Today, um, if you're if you're if you are watching on our YouTube channel, um, for those listening, you, you've been listening for a while, but we also are now uploading these to our YouTube channel, and so we have uh, some of these books here with us. And Donna, tell us, tell us about what prompted you to write these books, and specifically, like this trilogy idea. Like, where'd this? come from? It was, it was seriously, I was sitting in a church service one day several years ago and, uh, and I was thinking to myself, I think I've heard this same message at least 50 times in my life, this, whatever the message was on at the time. And I, and at the same moment I thought, but what I don't hear about is that Jesus is coming back. I don't hear anything about the signs that we see in our world. And it was just a prompting from the Holy Spirit that said, write a book that is part fiction, but then the rest of it make it biblical teaching about what the reader just read, strictly from the Word to show people, lead them through what they're seeing today and what the beginning of the end looks like, what the end looks like. And of course, a lot of it is just imagination because we're right. we, there's no way that we can truly know but I did want the people to to know it's not just fiction. It's not myth. It's not a fairy tale. It's actually from the Word of God. So the content specifically in times mm-hmm. taken from probably, I'm guessing, Ezekiel oh, and Revelation. Uh, just throughout, the, throughout Scripture. Yeah. Because, you know, prophecy is one-third of Scripture. So throughout the whole Bible, I, do, I was just, you know, picking, picking throughout, right. throughout the Word. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a great idea to, especially to put it in a trilogy form. Because mm-hmm. we've, I mean, I grew up in the uh, era where, you know, left behind the book, like, you know, again, imagining, but to everything I'd seen, even the Billy Graham one, like, I don't know, like, you're not even old enough to remember that. I think it was called Thief in the Night. Oh, yes. The movie? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I got saved in a Nazarene church, like, 18 times <laughs> every once film. <laughs> bring out the guillotine like in Omaha. Oh, anyway. yeah. uh, but anything I've ever seen, it, it really it just deals with like one very, th- which is hard. I mean, if you got a film or one novel, whatever, mm. it's hard to make it fit within a slice of, but you know, you, you, I think, is the first one Jacob's yeah, Trouble? Yeah, the time of Jacob's time Trouble. Of Jacob's Trouble. Right. And then the second one is Daniel. D- the day of Ezekiel's hope. D- okay. And then the third one is Daniel's, Daniel's final Got week. It. Yeah. And I really wanted them to be something because even people in the church, they're uninformed. They don't mm-hmm. know 
because pastors have mostly been quiet for many decades on this. Some haven't, but a lot have. So I wanted to write it not only for those people who are in church, but for the unbeliever to pick it up and say, oh, this is actually in the Bible. I never knew that, ever. And what's wild is that, so actually I'll ask you, because I think I, I, I could, I think I know why a lot of pastors don't talk about it, but why, like, why do you think that? A lot of pastors don't touch it at all. Well, I even um, uh, some I couldn't get some interviews because the radio program would say there are too many differing opinions uh. about this. So I think a lot of pastors will just kind of stay quiet about it. A lot of pastors, I think they think it's political. A lot of it is leans political. So they don't touch it as well. Just yeah. like they're not going to touch Israel because they say it's it's too political. It's yeah. a it's a hot button. Interesting. I've wondered, and I agree with all of that, by mm-hmm. the way. And then it sort of like all sums up in that it seems to be perceived as like this advanced part of like Bible study. Like we only in seminary, but the rest of the world, like we don't, it's too hard. So we mm-hmm. don't, but when you think about, obviously Paul, well, you, let's back up. You said it like a third of scripture this prophecy. Mm-hmm. And then you look at, you know, Jesus, he talked about it all every every epistle at some point refers to it. And Paul in Thessalonica, uh the, the second letter of the Thessalonians, he said, And while I was with you, I taught you and he talked which the famous passage about Antichrist and but he was only in Thessalonica for three weeks. So so he considered it elementary enough that I got three weeks with you guys. I'm going to make sure we cover this right. part of it. Mm-hmm. And so somewhere along the line, it seems like it became this uh, complicated, seemingly complicated. So we just don't touch it. We don't want to be divisive. You know, we want to, and, and I'm sure there's a, a myriad of reasons, but that that feels like it. But the Bible itself is like, this is so simple uh, because it's, I mean, it's so elementary that Paul would cover it. And I, you know, feel like that we've covered it a lot. I mean, in fairness to other pastors, like you, you get thirty-five to forty-five minutes on a Sunday, uh, and it's really it is difficult to cover something like that. But it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, we did it on Sunday. We'll do it again this Sunday. Uh, we went through the whole book of Revelation a couple of years ago. Like it's not to me. I guess that's the lie of Satan is that it's hard and it's complicated, and so we'll just avoid it. And which, if you're Satan, what a great strategy. Yeah, keep right. us Keep us ignorant on yeah. it. Um, so, which is, by the way, why we've invited Donna, because she's in, in times like this, especially, but she has, you've done so much research. Mm-hmm. You, you don't write a book like this unless you've spent, you know, hours and hours mm-hmm. and hours and hours of research with it. And so a lot of what we're seeing right now, the questions we're getting, uh, it, it, and it was funny, even like in staff meeting yesterday, we were, um, the, the youth pastor Joel was saying the, the, the kids are scared. Like they're t- talking about it in, in deeper mm. teenagers, you know? So, you know, parents, if you don't think that this matters much, know that your kids think it matters because they're seeing it on social media and they're being told by TikTok algorithms what to think about it, right? which is resulting in them being scared. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if we're not answering these questions, someone else is going to answer them for us. And I'd much mm-hmm. rather have the Bible do it. And if I'm going to have the Bible do it, having someone like Donna, who has mm-hmm. done so much research uh, and spent the better part of your adult life looking into these things, mm. you know, having your voice here. Even uh, a, a friend who has a prodigal son was saying that because of the news, because of everything that's happening, he actually went to church a couple of weeks ago mm. because he's hoping to find 
some answers. Somebody to say something, yeah. Yeah, because it's so confusing. And there is such fear that is that's being generated through yeah. social media and and the news. And it's interesting because I have a friend and she knew she knows someone who works at the Pentagon in some sort of information office there. And she asked him, how much of our news is true? And he said, <laughs> hardly any of it compared to what they know as That's right. truth and fact. <laughs> yeah. What we see, the propaganda that we see on all the news outlets and social media, wherever we're looking, is mostly untrue. You know, I had Hard somebody ask me a couple of weeks ago, like, why, why is it taking us so long to talk about uh, Israel on a Sunday? Right. Cause you know, the, the attack happened on the 7th of October, you know, we talked about it this past Sunday. So it was about a month went by and somebody's like, wait, wait, what took you so long? Um, and I think, well, I know one of the reasons was for us is the fog of war. It's like, you got to let it sit for a minute to really gather all the data points that aren't propaganda, mm-hmm. to gather all the data points that that aren't misinformation and disinformation. Because a lot of guys and a lot of people that have responded immediately out of the gate, they're saying things with not all of the facts and creates more confusion, I think, mm-hmm. and creates more fear. And so giving it a little bit of a lead, some lead time for us to dive into something where we can gather data points and speak more clearly and more informed, I think is a good thing. Yeah. And you were out two weeks, right? Yeah, I was. I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, when you when you, know, you trust in God's sovereignty, like I was scheduled to be out long before mm-hmm. Hamas launched this attack. And you know, obviously, well, obviously, we did pray for them. So you know, absolutely to say that we were silent, right, is not entirely accurate. But we were. You know, I did want to wait until we knew more because there's. One of the big questions, right, is, is this it? Is this the end? You know, is this? Mm. And when you see an attack from the South, you're like, well, maybe. But I was, and I'm still very attentive to Erdogan in Turkey, Hezbollah, because the attack that it speaks of in Ezekiel 38 is Mm -hmm. from the North. Yeah, far North. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we wanted to kind of, and I'm still, because I'm still, I've got my eye on, on uh, on Hezbollah, like the, you know, there's rumors now that Russia's Wagner Group is in uh, is in Lebanon that they're using Russian weapons mm-hmm. to attack Israeli support. So you know that you know keep your eye on the north for sure. Sure, and um, Russia's been supplying uh, Iran for many years. Yeah. with weapons. Yeah, they've yeah. been bolstering them up. Yeah, and that's the thing. So you're like, okay, what well, you think of the prophetic, and there's different views, and mm-hmm. sure, whatever. But man, thousands of years ago, right? There's this prophecy about these nations mm-hmm. that would build an alliance together. And when you think about a secular, godless Russia and a Islamic uh, religious cult that's Iran building, and they don't seem like they would match. <laughs> right, right. But they are. Right. And that was prophesied, mm-hmm. you know, thousands of years ago. So when you start cross-referencing all of those nations in Ezekiel 38 and 39 with the nations that they represent where mm-hmm. they are located today, and you see that for most of the 90s and into the 2000s, Turkey was building and had built an alliance with Israel, which was confusing to a lot of mm-hmm. Bible scholars. Right. Um, because Turkey was considered the secular, you know, we were, we're vacationing in Turkey now, and then Erdogan becomes the president mm-hmm. for life. And 
you know, he, he has been very, very vocal in his last month about, you know, Israel is a terrorist state, mm-hmm. Israel is, you know, committing atrocities, which is so the hypocrisy of Erdogan, who has been murdering <laughs> right. Kurds in Iraq, right. like saying millions, commit, yeah, committing millions. war crimes, like, oh man. Right. Um, so th- that said, like from the, uh, from where we are right now, one of the things that we're hearing the most is from, I'll say this, from far left progressive, you know, the, the normal places, Berkeley, the wackos. Uh, but there's also a segment of Christians who are like, is the modern day Israel mm-hmm. Israel? And do we, bl- quote unquote, blindly support them? Uh, and we have people in our church asking that question. And, th- and they don't seem to be asking it from a gotcha but from a genuine right. standpoint, they're confused. Yeah, mm-hmm. what, what what would you say to that, Donna? What's and I'm sure you're probably encountering some of those same questions. But about if how do we support them? Yeah, is modern day Israel the Israel of the mm-hmm. Bible, and do we support them uh, the way that I have said that we support them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is that is confusing, and I do get a, a lot of questions about that. But God made it clear in Genesis that He was giving that land. Mm-hmm. to Abraham, and it was an everlasting covenant. Yeah. He never said, now you're going to agree with all the politics that come out of there. You're going to agree yeah. with everything that happens in this land. He never said that yeah. to us. He just said, this is the land I'm giving them. It's an everlasting covenant. Abraham, you're, gonna, you're going to bless. You're going to be a blessing. Mm-hmm. All the nations of the world are going to be blessed because of you. Yeah. And the church, uh, everybody was not part of Genesis twelve. Yeah, we weren't. We weren't there. Nope. And so I heard um, Pastor Jack Hibbs recently. He referred to some pastors as knucklehead pastors who who <laughs> preach replacement theology. That somehow the church has replaced Israel. But when you look at Genesis twelve, you look at Genesis seventeen. All the Genesis blessings of that covenant, the church isn't there. Church right. isn't there until Pentecost. Yep. So to say that that Israel is different from that Israel, that the land is the land that God gave to yeah. them as an everlasting possession, everlasting covenant. Um, and he said that the Jew, the Jews would return to that land. And in, and I love it in Ezekiel thirty six. Uh, Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, and 39, it all goes in order. In Ezekiel 36, God tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the land, mm, yeah. which, which is amazing. He tells him to prophesy to the mountains, to the streams, to the valleys, to everything, that the cities are going to grow up. The land is going to thrive, and the land is a, is a wasteland. Yeah. He, he even says in there that the nations have overtaken it. They've, they've destroyed the land. Mm-hmm. But it's going to come back only when the Jews return. Yeah, which is amazing. He prophesied that. Yeah, only when the Jews return would the land yeah. thrive again. And when you are in Israel, and you go between Israel and to say uh, a neighboring country, the difference is palpable. Mm-hmm. What what the nation of Israel has done as far as agriculture, technology development is is literally remarkable like uh and then you go to the you know the next state over like why is it that it's different right mm-hmm. and and i would I, I totally agree that when you look at 
Israel as a nation, they have, uh, there are policies, not the least of which is their COVID policies. You know, our guide, Catherine, spoke of what it felt like to be seemingly the only person in her world that wasn't vaccinated and not Mm -hmm. allowed to even go, I think it was 100 meters from her home, in her home country of Israel. Like, it just felt so dark and so uh, demonic that, you know, she's, you know, golly, what, you know, what, what's happening here in this world? My, my point being that when you look at Israel, the state, which is imperfect, uh, and by the way, imperfect is different than what they're being accused of. Being accused of genocide, mm-hmm. being accused of apartheid, those are progressive propaganda points that are completely inaccurate. Right. Uh, I don't want to go on record as saying that. Now, that said, an imperfect government mm-hmm. uh is the story of government in a Genesis 3 world. And when you look through the entire history of Israel throughout the Old Testament, you know, the first, second Chronicles, first, second Kings, you saw Israel rise and fall with good kings and bad kings and God, but the, 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 the thread of that still was God saying that I gave a promise to a guy named Abram was without condition mm-hmm. uh, because I loved him, not because he's great. You know, Abram, uh, had very coward, cowardice moments with this, you know, this is, she's not my wife. She's my sister. You know, like he, 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 he had a lot of flaws, but God said, I'm choosing him. And we ought to take solace in that because the sovereignty and the grace of God is not based on how good I'm going to be able to pull mm-hmm. this off, but based on how, so he, for God to say, I'm keeping this promise to Israel, I've said it and it's, it's sort of glib, but it, but it, it really sunk in with me. If it's true for the Jew, then it's true for you. Like if he'll keep his promise to Abram. Right then I know he's going to keep mm-hmm. his promise to me. And when you go back to the land, you know, because one of the things when you talk about apartheid and especially the, the, I don't know about knucklehead pastors, but I know there's a bunch of knuckleheads in Berkeley and Portland mm-hmm. and New York calling Israel, you know, colonizers. Right. Clearly, they're not teaching history. Whatever mm-hmm. they're teaching at MIT in these places, it ain't history. But what what is the answer to that? Um, that Israel is a, colonizing nation, not just from a biblical, but from a geopolitical historical facet of it. Like what is the, why are they not colonizers? Why is that propaganda? Oh, I I would love to go through some of the, some of the historical facts of of the land. I would love for you to do that. Oh, good. Because that, I think it's just fascinating how um, just the historical record period. So, I mean, we can scream all day long, that 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 nation is called Palestine. It's Palestine, but it still doesn't make it so. Yeah. Um, I was heartbroken because a few years ago we were at a church, a local church service, and the pastor said, "Came out at Christmas when Jesus was born in Palestine." Wow. Yeah, it was cringy for me. He's a Christian church. Christian church, and then later I ran into an elder of that church. And he said we had. He was so excited. He said we had ten thousand people for Christmas services, and my heart sank because I thought ten thousand people heard that Jesus was born in Palestine. Wow, here's that is shocking. It's Mm -hmm. oh man, because even factually it's inaccurate because Hadrian had not named it Palestine yet. Right. right. So it wasn't even, like, right. it hadn't been hijacked by yeah. the, uh, or completely hijacked by the Roman yeah. Empire yet. It was still mm-hmm. part of the Roman Empire, but it was still Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until later that Hadrian changed the name, but. I loved yeah. what you said on Sunday. Jesus was born in Israel. He died in Israel, resurrected in Israel, and he's going to return 
to Israel. It that's, matters, that's, right? That's, it matters. That's what that's what the Bible yeah. says. But just a just a brief timeline. In in eighty seventy, the the Jews were driven out, and the Bible says that the Jews would be pulled back in from all nations. That first diaspora mm-hmm. was Babylon. That was just one nation. But the Bible, there's many references that yeah. God says, I will return you, bring you back home from many nations. Yeah. So when AD, in AD 70, when they were driven out, they were driven out to, to, all the, to all the nations. But there was always a remnant that remains. I love that yeah. about God. There was always a remnant that was in that land. Yeah. And for many years, the Jews were still uh, the majority. Yeah. In the land, there may have been other people there, but they were the majority by you know several yeah. thousand. Um, but yeah, you were talking about Emperor Hadrian. He came in after that AD seventy, you know, driving them out around one thirty AD, and he he wants to build a temple there to Zeus, where yeah. the where the Temple Mount was, and the rem, the remnant Jews rose up against them, which right. I, I don't know how many that was, but they rose up against them and they fought valiant, valiantly. But Hadrian had a scorched earth policy. He mm-hmm. was like, just doze it all. I mean, all the olive grove trees, cut them down, burned them, everything. He just, yep. it was scorched earth. He was so angry and he drove them out again. It changed the name to Philistia or Syria, Palestina, and it was shortened there to Palestine. Yeah. But that was like in what, 135 AD. Yeah. Jesus had been long at the right-hand yeah. side Almost of— Almost 100 years had ascended from then. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And so, but his, his goal was to completely erase the name of Israel yeah. and the face of the Jews. And he was, he's been really successful. The Romans have been really successful yep. at that because— for me to go to a local church service and have the pastor say when Jesus was born in Palestine, Hadrian was really successful yeah. in driving out the name of yeah. the Jews. And when I see all these college kids and these other people around the world ripping down the the posters, the pictures of the hostages, yeah. wherever they are on college campuses, again, it reminds me they're trying to erase the name of the Jews, the face of the Jews. Yeah. They don't even want people to see their faces of of these hostages it's just a, it's it's a replay yeah of what hadrian did uh, all those years ago yeah anti-semitism is de- it's straight up demonic and from the pit of hell yeah, i think i can't remember which pastor but anti-semitism is satanism like it's mm-hmm. the they are one and the same right with it uh and again if you're god he chose abram because he loved him so if you're satan automatically you hate him and all of his descendants. Yeah, right. Um, right. You hate his people. Yeah, right mm-hmm. down to the idea then that well, let's actually let's keep going. Mm-hmm. So that's that's because I wanted to get to the Islam yeah. situation and why they hate him. But right. long before Arabs were in the land. Yeah, long before Muhammad's <laughs> even born. Yeah, right. we're talking. He's not even, he didn't even show up till the mid six hundreds, right? So we're talking six hundred years right. before that. Right. But what's interesting about that land is because they've destroyed everything. Nothing grows there. It's just, it's a pitiful wasteland. Nobody wants to live there. And it wasn't a recognized nation. It literally was just controlled. Yeah. It was controlled by the Crusaders for the while, the Muslims for a while. The the Turks, the Ottoman Empire had it since the 1500s. After World War II, the British controlled it for a while, but it was never 
ever, ever a recognized nation. Yeah. Ever. Not until the UN in 1948 said that it could be Israel. And what's interesting, in 1947, the UN tried to divide the land, give portions to the Arabs and mm-hmm. portions to the Jews. The Arabs said no. Yeah. And that was, the, that was the second time. The first time was in 1936. They offered them land. The Arabs said no because they want all of it. They yeah. don't want the Jews to have any of it. Yeah, the thing that is lost on most nuanced news coverage is how many opportunities have been presented for a two-state solution, for an Arab nation Mm -hmm. that has been passed on because from, and not just Hamas, but PLO, uh, even Jordan, like they're not looking for a two-state solution. They're looking for a Arab state solution. So when they've gotten to the finish line, whether it was Carter, Clinton, Bush, Obama, Kushner, they all ended up falling short because from the other it's like a negotiation where the other side it wants you dead mm-hmm. and not all people in the land of palestine area mm-hmm. would say that but the, the the leaders they have elected and the leaders they are tolerating uh that is what they say and right. they don't make any secret they're not they're not pretending uh they've been very clear mm-hmm. Uh, and so when you come back to that table of negotiating, even for the two-state solution, and there, there are guys that I really respect who are uh, Christians but Jews who are in positions of authority, and they say that eventually that is the only solution will be a two-state solution. But that also pre- it, it, it assumes that on the other side of that, the Islamist rule from Turkey to Syria to Iran would agree to that, and they have shown no evidence whatsoever right. of that at all. They've like, rejected every single two-state solution peace deal, every single one, Yeah, and they will continue to reject it because they cannot abide by Israel existing. Can we even go back farther to even why the name Israel is Israel? You know, it's, it's, it's Abraham's grandson, right? Jacob? Mm-hmm. So Jacob is renamed Israel, which I think is is uh, is an interesting note, and that was given he was given a new name yep. after he's wrestling with with God. Yeah, um, yes. in the history of Israel, the yeah. name Israel. Yeah, struggling with God. I mean, he he who wrestles with mm-hmm. God Jacob. to contend with. Yeah, like in its. It's been accurate. Like it's yeah. a, <laughs> right. It's, it's been, been it's the, Israel been on a struggle bus for a while. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so what the, does uh, um, uh, Tevye say in Fiddler on the Roof? He says something to that to that effect. But you know, I know that you chose us, but why or something? Yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> so the twelve tribes of Israel of Jacob came through, obviously, Jacob, mm-hmm. and that was the land of Israel, yeah. and that's, that's what he, they've been contending with yeah. ever since. Mm-hmm. And in Islam, in the Quran, which came 650 years after Christ's ascension, it wasn't like, you know, at the very beginning there was Islam and there was Judaism or Islam right. and Christianity. It came, it's the last one to the party. Mm-hmm. But the Quran is literally the opposite. So this vision that Muhammad has that he initially thinks is demonic and it was his wife that talks him into no it was God it reverses the story so it's not Isaac it's Ishmael mm, yes that's the blessed one it's Ishmael's people that, and that's the 
you know, their struggle bus starts right there at that. That's where the family tree splits for them. And so almost everything inside of the Quran is either a complete new fabrication or a reversal of what is in, uh, in the Christian heritage and the Jewish heritage. I don't, I don't have a ton of knowledge around uh, that story just because I've, I don't know it, but are there 12, are there 12 tribes that come out of Ishmael's line? No, no. <laughs> No, I'm just curious how yeah. like similar. Yeah, it's not quite like that. Yeah. Uh, it is, but that's actually the differentiation between Shia Islam and Sunni Islam. Shia, uh, if, I'm, if I'm getting this right, maybe we call Fawad. Yeah, uh, Shia is it, the, it's got to be a direct descendant mm-hmm. of Muhammad. So it's actually they're they're continuing the bloodline. Sunni, the Mahdi that they're waiting for, doesn't necessarily have to be related. He can be chosen, whatever. But this is one that's literally in the bloodline. So they. If, and if I'm remembering it correctly, they would trace Muhammad's genealogy back to Ishmael. Uh, and so it had to be, and I think it was his uncle that is where Shia came from. And by the way, it's only like 30 years after Islam is founded. It's not like there's like hundreds of years and they this fissure between Shia and Sunni. It's almost immediately that they split. Uh, um, it was a Muhammad's death that, you know, modern day, if you don't have a successor for your company, you know, uh, you get the you know, great television mm-hmm. for that, but that's what happened. He did not have a successor named. And so the battle began for who's, you know, who's going to replace Muhammad. Mm. You know, what's interesting is that Jerusalem or Zion is mentioned over 1000 times in the Bible. It's not mentioned at all. Zero. In the Quran. Yeah. yeah so for a, a holy book that informs all of Islam to skip over the city that they've now, like literally everything is, you know, Jerusalem. focused on that. Right. It's not even in the Quran, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which, and if you use the word Zion, like that's one of the things that you hear from, by the way, both, you know, left and right, Zionism, which is simply a, an ideology that says that, that the Bible was true and that mm-hmm. the Jews are coming home. But Zion's a location, right? Mount Zion? So there's Mount Zion, mm-hmm. but Zion is Israel. Like it's mm-hmm. a, a it's another name for Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Am I getting that right? It's mm-hmm. like America and the United States. It's like the same. Right, right. Same but right. different. Mm-hmm. Different. It's a phrase that describes the same, and it's and it is the land. They 100 percent about the mm-hmm. land. I appreciated you saying that. Yeah. Not the government, the land. but the land. Mm-hmm. And that's why the battle has been, is, and will continue to be about the land. That's mm-hmm. what. Uh, it's what the arguments, it's what the, you know, when you read any sort of a history of the, the negotiations for peace settlements, it's always about the land and who's going to be mm-hmm. where. That's why in Gaza, 2005, six, they removed Israeli forces from there, but also any Jewish people were removed from there because it's their land, not mm-hmm. the Jewish land from it. And so the mm-hmm. land is what God, it's why it was great. He brought up Ezekiel 36, like prophesy to the land. Yep. Because the land is what God is, is is focused on. And in Ezekiel 36, uh, God uses terms like his land, my land, the land I give to you. I mean, over and over again, it was obvious this land was given to the Jews by God. And then in the next chapter, Ezekiel 37, he asks Ezekiel to prophesy to the dry bones. And he says, these dry bones are Israel, but yeah. I'm going to bring them back. To their land. I'm going to bring them back from their nations to their land. So in Ezekiel 36, prophesy to the land, get the land ready, Ezekiel, because my people are coming home. Ezekiel 37, the dry bones, they come to life. He brings them home. And then in Ezekiel 38, that's that huge war 
that that comes up. And I even got a text last night from a friend, and she said, Donna, is the church around for that Ezekiel <laughs> 38 war? Because, you know, even that mm-hmm. is is confusing. Well, certainly everything's in place right now yeah. with with Russia and uh, Turkey and all, all everything is in place. Yeah. That could certainly happen. I have a question about that. What what would be the the main difference from let's say the 1940s to now, like during World War II, from a geopolitical sense? What you know, the believers that were reading the same scriptures that we have today in the 1940s, probably having very similar conversations that we're having today. Is this the end? What in a geopolitical map or um, just the, the conversations and who's alliances, what's different 70 years later that, that leads us closer to the return of Christ. And I would, I would caveat that and say, what's different even since the eighties. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1970s, the late great planet earth. Yeah. Uh, left behind in the nineties. Uh, I'll let you go first on that, but like there's something there's mm-hmm. it's, it is different now than it was then there are things right. in place that were ethereal, that were maybe, but but there's things in place now that were not in place then that 100% line up with what Ezekiel was prophesying. Right. Well, we see that Russia's in Russia's in play. I mean, at one point, Russia would been would have been considered a Christian nation, mm-hmm. and well, of course, that's they abandoned right. that. Well, and I would caveat that. that too, and say if you remember the debate between Mitt Romney and President Obama, 2000, whatever that was. And somebody asked Romney, what's the greatest threat to America? And he said, Russia. And Obama, you know, flippantly said, oh, the 1980s called, they want their foreign policy back mm-hmm. because Russia is not a player. Right. Turns out they are a player. Yes, you right. Know? So right. the secular humanists missed that mm-hmm. by a mile. So go ahead, yeah. sorry. Well, they're, I mean, they're in play because they've been, they've been meeting with Iran for years now. Iran, Turkey, and um, Iran, uh, Russia have been meeting mm-hmm. together and the Scripture says they'll come from the far north. He, uh, scripture calls the leader Gog, and mm-hmm. we know it's a person because it says thoughts will be put into his head. Yeah, the, pr- the chief prince, right? Yeah, the chief prince, right? He holds things in his right hand. We know it's a person, and and we know that it's God Himself who's going to put those thoughts in His head. Like mm-hmm. go against my go against my people. And then God is really going to yeah. show off because it's going to be the greatest invasion that the world has ever seen as far as coalitions coming against this tiny nation because they're going to think, aha, we've got them now. And then there's going to be sulfur and brimstone yeah. and everything that's going to fall and just devour yeah. devour these enemies that are coming against Israel. Yeah, because yeah, when you look at what's different now than was then— even 25, 30 years ago. I already said one of them, which is that Turkey, which had been positioning itself as somewhat of a secular, neutral, Mm -hmm. uh, and building alliances with Israel, which made no sense according to biblical prophecy. So that's one. Turkey is... um, Tubal, Meshach, like the, you know, when you look at the map of the Bible, you know, the Bible Atlas, like Zondervans and all that, like they actually put Meshach and Tubal from uh, Ezekiel 38 starting in Turkey, like the, mm-hmm. uh, their territory. Right. And so, so Turkey not only is uh, back on the scene, but Erdogan has a goal to make uh, Turkey great again. Like his, you know, it's, it's not mega, it's Mata, make Turkey great again. <laughs> Just um, like next week at uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make Turkey great again. Uh, but when you get into the African nations, 
in North Africa, it's even more fascinating because these are nations that could barely tie their own shoes, you know, just economically mm-hmm. speaking. But because of an economic invasion from China, uh, suddenly nations like Sudan, uh, Libya, uh, you know, during the green, what was it called? Uh, oh man, they called it something. When it, uh, and Obama, again, completely naive, the, 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 uh, all these uprisings were happening and overthrowing uh, leaders in Egypt. And You're talking about Arab Springs? Yes. Arab Springs, yes. yes. Thank you. That's why, that's why we paid on Libya. He's coming to the house. Gaddafi. Yeah. So we removed all of the uh, dictators that could stand in the way of them in an alliance together. Mm-hmm. And now they're being financed by China because they find these natural resources inside of there. You know, John speaks in Revelation of a 200 million man army, you know, whether that's literal or metaphorical sure seems literal, but mm-hmm. China has just built, you know, the, the Silk Road Initiative turns out to be building a great path to get 200 million people across uh, the Pan-Asian highway, mm-hmm. you know, through the mountains. Like There are things that are in play right now that were not in play even 20 years ago. And not the least of which, there is a literal group of people inside of a literal Jerusalem collecting the pieces for a literal temple to be rebuilt. Yes, yes. And And they're they're like done, right? I mean, all they're waiting for is that perfect red heifer because everything else is in place. Funny, when I was there last year, this is so so hilarious because it involves Texas. Of course, it's Texas. Guys, uh, Christian farmers in Texas have been breeding uh, red heifers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> of course, it's Texas and bringing cowboys over to <laughs> Israel to bring the red heifer in. But, um, but yeah, there is a literal, uh, there's a lot of things now that were not there before. That And by the way, the, you know, the, 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 the rapture of the church, the, you know, the taking away, like that's a, it's a signless event. Like right. it, it could happen right now. Right. None, none of this has to happen before the, you know, the rapture mm-hmm. of the church. Uh, and at the same time, and I don't know what you think about this, but I th- when you look at Ezekiel 38, there isn't any promise that we wouldn't be there for some of that. Right. If not all of it or most mm-hmm. of it, whatever. Like the, the war itself isn't necessarily yes. that. Right. So we're not immune uh, as far as Jesus people in America. If mm-hmm. we have some idea that uh, God doesn't want us uncomfortable. Um, right. Billions of Christians around the world <laughs> can uh, attest that that's mm-hmm. not accurate with it. So I mean, that's would be my answer is that there's a multiplicity of things that are in place that have never been in place before, not the least of which started with a nation being born in a day, a nation that was evaporated from the face of the earth that somehow miraculously against all odds now became a country again. And then from there, it just, the tipping point started to where we're And that was God's will. I mean, he prophesied that this is going, this is going to happen. Like I had emailed you because we were emailing back and forth about yeah. this. And I said, you know, man likes to insert his thoughts and opinions into this, but it's it's God's will. It's my will. This is what I'm going to do with the land. I'm giving this land to them. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's it wasn't based on their faithfulness, and that's what the scripture says. Yeah. It wasn't based on your faithfulness. He even says, I'm bringing you back to the land, not because of your faithfulness, but because of my holy name. Yeah, my good word to you. That's right. His And... And the fact that he made that covenant and Abraham was asleep. Yeah. There were there was no there was no it was unconditional. There was it was just all on God. It yeah. wasn't it on Abraham's part. Yeah. Because Abraham was yet to show himself yeah. exactly what he was going yeah. to do. He, which, yeah, which is what Romans eleven says. Like when we use that the the uh, the verse, which I can't remember exactly the verse, but the, the, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Mm-hmm. He doesn't change his mind. Uh, that is taken out of context all the time. 
uh, because he is talking about the calling of Israel. Mm-hmm. I have not changed my mind about Israel. That's right. Romans 11. And it's, if you, if you're reading Romans 9, 10, 11, 12, like you get this, you know, maybe that's just like a, like a little aside or a parenthetical, but it's literally in the perfect flow of the gospel of Romans 9 and 10, 11 isn't like a, oh, and by the way, it's literally part of the gospel mm-hmm. that God has not changed his mind about Israel. And again, because if it's true for the Jew, it's true for you. He yeah. didn't change his promise to Abraham. He's not going to change his promise right. to me or to you. I, I love the beginning of Romans 11. He says, has he rejected his people by no means? No means. Right. Yeah. He, hasn't, he hasn't rejected them. He knows they're faithless. He told us, I'm bringing them back in unbelief. And just to go back to, to the land again, I just feel like I really need people to know how awful that land was. Yes. Nobody wanted to live there. Nobody it was desolate. Just, it was unusable. desolate. Nobody was saying, "Hey, let's move. Let's move over." As it was called, Palestine. Then let's move to Palestine and let's let's yeah. just, let's start industry there. Yeah. Let's build some homes. Nobody was doing that because it was so awful. I thought it was interesting. In 1867, Mark Twain took a trip there, mm-hmm. and his trip advisor review would have been horrendous <laughs> about that entire it nation. Was a tri- it was a total trip advisor, right? right. <laughs> One star, do not recommend. <laughs> right. do, not, do not come to this place. It is awful. It is horrible. And, but it is fascinating that when the Jews returned, that land started to thrive again. They are so smart. It was so swampy, and God told them exactly how to dry up those swamps. Yeah. They brought in eucalyptus trees from Africa. How'd they know that? Right. They brought in eucalyptus trees, and all these swamplands just dried up. And before you know it, they've got all these vineyards, which is exactly what the book of Amos says yeah. and, and other books. And in the book of Amos, it says that God said, I will never uproot you from that land again. Yeah. I'll never uproot you from it. So when we see all these wars, everything coming against Israel, we have the assurance of God's word. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, I loved it when the uh, uh, Hamas's son, uh, son on Sunday yeah. in the video, yeah, Yusuf. Yeah, yeah, he said he he said they have unleashed Hamas has released the the wrath of God, and that is exactly right. Yeah. So we can just sit back and watch because we know. Hamas is going nowhere. Hezbollah is going nowhere. We know when all these coalitions come against uh, Israel, the Ezekiel 38 coalition, when that does happen, if we are here to see it, Mm -hmm. hey, just sit, grab the popcorn and sit back and watch God because that is going to be amazing to watch because that land is theirs. Oh, I got to say this because I wrote this down somewhere because I thought this was fascinating. The landmass of Arab states in the Middle East is 98.4% of land. Israel is 1.6%. Yeah. But they're not happy they want until it all. all of it yeah. is theirs. There yeah. will never, ever, ever, ever be a two-state solution, right. no matter what political government entity is crying out the loudest. There will never be a two-state yeah. solution. Yeah, because they don't want it. They won't. And they meaning the Arabs. Uh, the Arab side and even the most moderate of Arab nations like Morocco, which is still not moderate, by the way. I, have, I mean, I have to lie every time I go there about what I'm doing because mm. they don't want missionaries in there and they're considered moderate with it. Uh, one of the things that I think is important for us because it, it, 
the idea of replacement theology, which is that God replaced the church or Israel with mm-hmm. the church and now Israel. Um, there's confusion around it. And by the way, like if you're Martin Luther, you know, the, Re- the Reformation, there wasn't a literal Israel. So actually replacement theology probably made the Bible make more sense mm-hmm. to them because, right. well, there isn't an Israel, so it must be replaced of, with it. Which is, again, the 100% why we go to the word first, not mm-hmm. the world. We don't let the culture teach us theology because the culture gets it wrong. You could see how, though, that they would look at that. Well, there isn't a literal Israel, so it must mean that we've replaced them, which is God's promises. Mm-hmm. So, if anything, it bolsters it, my faith even more to know that for almost 2,000 years, people wondered, well, there's no Israel. There must not be. So, it has to be a replacement of it. And then to see a literal Israel come right. back again, you're like, okay. Turns out God's word is right and true and accurate right. every time, not most times, but right. every time. And that's something you have to ask yourself. Do I, A, do I believe God's word? Like, it's like we talk about it and, and not everybody can say yes, but most people that are part of our church family would say, yeah, I do believe mm-hmm. this. And so if you believe that, and then you look at what the, what's on the ground and you think, well, these are just Zionists and they're part of like Klaus Schwab's, you know, grand plan to remake the world. And they, you know, they caused the war. Uh, you're at best guessing what you think is happening mm. over there. But if you put the the map of what God said over here, do you, do you believe, maybe you do, I don't, that a nation in, in, has never happened in history, mm-hmm. ever, where a nation was wiped off the face of the earth and then came back again 2,000 years later on the exact same land with the exact same people, the same genetic DNA bloodline. It's not the, just the faith of Judaism, but the bloodline of Abraham. Do you believe that that just happened to be a coincidence or that Satan made that happen? Because mm-hmm. those are kind of the two, when you bottom line, those are kind of the two options. Did Satan bring Israel out of, you know, I don't know. Right. Uh, while, while simultaneously trying to destroy them uh, or did, did God? And it just, Especially when you read the stories and, and talk to survivors of the 67 war, the 47, 48, whatever, 67, the 73 day, uh, 73, the seven day war, what, you know, or six day war, like all these wars that have happened, the, the, Israel has been, what is it? 52 Arab countries. I think, uh, Israel's one, like you said, 1.8%, and they're, and they're the ones being accused of being the bully? Like, who's the bully? Like, exactly. If, you know. I loved what you said. Uh, I don't know if you said it on, in the other services. But in the nine o'clock service on Sunday, you said queers for Palestine. That's so dumb. Yeah. And, and Troy and I just laughed because yeah. it is. It is so dumb. They have no idea what they're saying. Just look at the facts. There's only one place in the Middle East where a homosexual would be, would be able to live in freedom. Hundred percent. And that's and, Israel. Yeah. The other places, they are pushing you off off of a with your hands tied behind your back. They're pushing you off a building. Yeah, it's so not that you just will a die. crime. It's like executable. It's like a prison right. sentence. They like don't want you to live. Yeah. And these are, it's just facts. Just do a little bit of, just do a little bit of homework. But so many of these kids, they're just, they're programmed in propaganda. They're only hearing what their university professors are telling them. They're not doing any research for themselves. Yeah. And not even university, just uh, elementary schools. There was a story of a school in Portland, Oregon, where a teacher, um, yeah, go figure, it's Portland. But this, yeah, this week, a teacher had um, painted a a pride flag on the on the classroom wall, and it's been there, you know, for the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. But she added a new flag that to paint on the wall, and it's a Palestinian flag. And 
um, had gotten some pushback from parents about it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's going toe-to-toe with the school board to allow a Palestinian flag to be lined up right next to a, uh, a pride flag with no understanding of, of how ridiculous that is. Right. Especially in Portland. Especially in Portland. If Hamas came to Portland, she'd be the first one they would execute, man. First one they'd throw off a building. But this is an this was in an elementary school. Oof. And so they're learning they're learning these symbols, these these ideas younger and younger yeah. and younger. One question I had too within Israel itself, from my understanding, you know, Tel Aviv is very liberal. Mm-hmm. And there they would be um they would be uh, gay affirming and uh, LGBT all the way. It's like Miami. Yeah, my yeah. It's on, I, it's yeah. On the coast. I read a couple of years ago they have one of the largest pride parades in the entire world. Yeah, in Tel Aviv. Yeah. and then it's like Jerusalem would be like the opposite of that, probably closer to maybe like a, a south a southeast city, like maybe Nashville or Atlanta or something like that. I don't know. It's more conservative in its ideologies. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Uh, having been on the ground and they're only like an hour and a half away from each other. It's not like Portland to Nashville. It's like Nashville to like, uh, Clarksville. Like they're, they're pretty close. How, how do they, how do they reconcile that internally in, in knowing that they've got, they've got, <laughs> they have people in New York city, um, that are, that are, you know, championing, you know, gays and Palestine at the same time. But in Tel Aviv, there's, you know, like you said, the largest, one of the largest pride parades mm-hmm. in the, in the world. Obviously there's not, they're not parading for Palestine either because they're Israelis. It just feels like this wild juxtaposition of alliances that makes no yeah. sense. And mm-hmm. I'm just curious how that's, how that reconciles even in their own country. I know this, that in their own country, and of course it's hard to talk about the politics of another country if you don't live in it. Cause just like ours, there's so many nuances, but while I was there last year, there were massive protests in the streets. We walked through a couple of them. Uh, Israelis marching against Netanyahu um, and the Likud party and the, the new um, secret, their version of a secretary of state who's a, uh, I mean, one thing Israel is not afraid of is an election. I mean, uh, Hamas had one election and we're done. I think Israel's had like 28 elections since then. <laughs> like they just keep, because yeah. the way their, their, their political system works, if you can't build a coalition, they have to literally start over again. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Netanyahu reached into a far right version of that. Um, so inside of their own nation, if you take the LGBT agenda off, there is a, a direct, there is a split into how to handle this crisis. Um, in fact, actually, at the time, what they were doing was uh, Netanyahu was wanting to change the judicial. And funny enough, when you uh, you, you know, read up on it from a, a credible source, literally, it would have just made this, their Supreme Court as powerful as our Supreme Court. Like, it doesn't remove all of their power. They're still as powerful as mm-hmm. ours. But they were making it sound like it's the end of democracy if he makes this happen. Because what the way their courts work right now, they have as much Supreme Court court power as ours has, they have, theirs has an enormous amount of power, which is why they keep having to start over again. So the people there were marching against uh, his judicial reforms. Um, and uh, there are people that said that that's why they were caught so flat-footed because inside of the nation, they're so divided right now. I mean, that's what Catherine was saying. As a nation, we're divided. Has mm-hmm. God taken his hand of blessing off of us until we repent? Um, very possible. Uh, it's also just as possible that when you go back to Ezekiel 38, that 
the, the piece we can take from this, and I only got a couple minutes left, but is God didn't see any of this. He saw it all coming. He mm-hmm. didn't, none of it's just a surprise to him. And in Ezekiel 38, it actually says to Gog, I'm going to put a hook in your mouth and I'm going to drag you down into it. Like God's yeah. sovereignty is all mm-hmm. over this, even mm-hmm. to the madness that we're seeing right now in second Thessalonians five. We, we talk about this all the time. Like, how, like, you know, this, like how, how could a queer for Palestine, I think is what I said was that it's like a chicken marching in favor of KFC. Like you, it just, it doesn't work. Um, but second, Second Thessalonians 2, verse 11, when he's speaking of the man of lawlessness is to come, that I will send them a delusion. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when you look at what's happening in the yes. world right now and you think this is delusional, mm-hmm. know that this is God answering the prayers of the secular humanists, the uh, mm-hmm. Islamists of my kingdom come, my will be done. This is what you get, which is delusion, You're not right. clarity. I heard um, uh, Jack Hibbs recently, and he actually was, was talking about a situation and he said you are so ignorant if you believe that and i and i thought wow i bet some people are really uh, offended, offended yeah. that he would use the word ignorant but i thought you know what we are we are past the time of sugarcoating yeah, everything we done with that. Yeah, and whitewashing everything that moment is past right and pastors and believers we have to be more plain spoken about what is what's happening in our world and I, I recently read there are 6,000 stateless nations in the world, 6,000. Palestinians are one of them. They're also one of the smallest. Mm. But what is this one stateless nation that we always hear about? Palestinians. Always. Always. It, it, according to the news, they are the only stateless nation. Right. But they've <clears throat> never had their own nation, along with yeah. 6,000 other, the Kurds. Or another one. Yeah. And the Kurds outnumber the Palestinians by, I don't even know. In but, infinite. Yeah, it's yeah, huge. Huge, huge numbers. Um, but we will, we will always continue to hear about them because this is a spiritual war. It's spiritual warfare. Yeah. And Satan will always keep, will always keep driving this. And when you go back to Second Thessalonians, you can hear us talk about this or ponder it and, and in a real funk, a real... Uh, sadness and fear. But if you remember that God is sovereign, he's on the throne, he hasn't, like this is all part of a plan, then we can take an enormous amount of peace in that, that we were never promised a comfortable ride to begin with. And parenthetically, if you're not a follower of Christ, uh, you actually should be scared. Like that's a, you've got something to be Mm -hmm. scared of, but we don't because we see that God you know, whether he causes it or allows it, you know, the sovereignty versus free will, they both appear in scripture. So you, you know, you tell me, but he says, I'll put a hook in their jaw. He says, here, I'm going to send them a delusion. Mm-hmm. In fact, he, again, Paul, second Thessalonians five, he'd been with the Thessalonica church three weeks and decides that this is important enough that I'm going to spend time on this. Cause if you remember, I told you, don't you remember mm-hmm. verse 11? Don't you remember when I was with you? I used to tell you these things. Uh, and you know, him speaking of the man of lawlessness, uh, antichrist, that there's something holding him back, which I think is the church, right? That we're still here. That's it. Because um, this is where, you know, he's, he talks, Paul talks a lot about the church being, you know, taken out before some of this stuff. But verse nine, he says, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. Mm-hmm. This is not how God works. This is how Satan works. Uh, he will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. And all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish 
because they listen, they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. And people, if there's something we've seen right now, they hate truth. They want narrative, my mm-hmm. truth, right. they hate the truth. And verse 11, and so for that reason, because they hated the truth, God sends them a powerful delusion so they will believe the lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. That, that's literally what we see in legacy media, uh, Disney Plus, whatever, like delighting in wickedness mm-hmm. is everywhere right now. Uh, Jesus is coming. And for us to be ready, what Jesus said in Luke, like, look up. When you see all these things happening, look up because yeah. your redemption and in draws the, nigh. And in the passage of Luke as well, the very first words out of Jesus' mouth was, Watch out that no one deceives you. Yes, yes. Because he knew. They're going to come. Right, right. Yeah. The delusion, the deception was going to be so strong yeah. that he was warning them, you have to watch out. You yeah. you have to pay such close attention. But you have to stay in the word because you won't be as confused yeah. when you know exactly the plan yeah. that God has. And God is, he is still yet to deal with Israel. Yeah. And that will come during that tribulation period. Yeah, yeah because it's still called the time of uh, Jacob's trouble. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <A> segue. <laughs> because it's the wrath of God, mm-hmm. you know, poured out on a Christ-rejecting sinful world. Mm-hmm. But Jacob's trouble, because, you know, Jacob, you know, Israel is in the middle of that. And right. if you've rejected the work of Christ, which is receiving that wrath for me, Paul would say in Thessalonians, that you are not appointed to wrath mm-hmm. as a follower of Jesus. Uh, but if you've rejected him, that is a time of God's wrath to remake, rebuild, you know, redesign the world. And so if you're like a, especially if you're a parent of a little child, cause I, you know, you might've think those same thoughts that I've thought, which is when, what kind of world have I given birth to my child mm-hmm. and what kind of world am I raising my child in? And the answer is the world that Jesus is redeeming. The answer is the world mm-hmm. that Jesus is returning for. This is an amazing time to bring a child up because we're going to see with our own eyes how Jesus is going to return and he's going to remake this world. Mm-hmm. It's going to be some bumpy times, but look, I've been around Christians in developing nations who have way worse lives than what we could imagine. And there's still a joy in them. There's still a, a closeness and a relational mm-hmm. thing, the way that God wired us. So even if things get complicated and ugly, we have a promise from Christ that not only is he redeeming the world to come, but our, their own Zoe life is not dependent on us living in an America that is a world power anymore. Jesus is Lord, right? not Biden, not Trump, not, but Jesus is Lord. And we can, if anything else, it's a good chance for us to figure out where our idols are because anything that we're so scared of being pulled out from under us uh, that we, that will rage about it. That's probably an idol because it's not Christ in our lives mm-hmm. and Christ cannot be removed from us. And the darker it gets, the brighter, the light, yeah. which reminds me again, of my friend's prodigal son, why do you go to church for the answers? Yeah. Because he knows there's there's light there. There's supposed to be light there. I hope he went to a church where there's light there and they're teaching yeah. teaching the truth. But people want answers. Yeah. And we, we are the light of Christ. Yeah. We are the ministers of the gospel. But Darren, before we close, I just want you to know every week, prayer group prays fervently for you mm-hmm. and leadership. Because you are standing strong, you and Shannon and Mo and the team, you're standing strong for Israel and for the things that matter. Mm. And I mean, every single week, I'd say come in and listen, but you might be kind of embarrassed sometimes, you know, by the prayers that are prayed. But but we pray fervently for you and know that the enemies will come against you. 
try to drive you down, put you in a funk, you know, get you uh, get you out of your into your head too much. Mm-hmm. But you are definitely speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we keep praying for that. Well, I'm so grateful for mm-hmm. it. People, a lot of people know, but most don't that like you gave birth to the prayer ministry in this church. And if you were to, if Mo were to pull up a spreadsheet as to like church growth, church, you know, impact, whatever, uh, and then coalesce that with when prayer ministry started, it's the same. Like it just started. It is literally the fuel in the furnace. I think that's a Spurgeon uh, about the, that's what prayer is. That's where the, the real thing is happening. And, and we have felt it. We feel the prayer. Uh, we, we obviously we keep seeing prayers being answered, which yes. is you know turns out God right. still answers prayers, right? right? Um, yeah. But it's been a huge driving force, even for you know for us. Like I, I, we feel it the way it guides us. We feel it the way that it protects us. And if we aren't ourselves in that moment, and if you're watching this and you're not praying like on a regular basis. Um, I used to, someone, maybe I coined it, I don't know, but it kind of makes you a functional atheist, right? Which is, mm. in this situation, I totally believe in God, but mm. in this situation, I'm going to handle it myself, uh, which in this situation, I'm I'm not believing God. So I'm like a situational atheist is the, and the Lord has really whipped me back into shape in that area because that's, in the times to come, we're going to need the Holy Spirit. And we're going to need a relationship with him. There's always been a connection between purity and power is in the New Testament. And that's uh, that's what we're experiencing, especially from the from the prayer right. team. And so I'm grateful, like so grateful. And I know that there are so many. Like even when we're talking about like the the list of people who are on the prayer team now, it's so big. There's so many. But you started that from stepping forward. And so I'm grateful for you, for Troy, for your kids. You know, there, there's not. I don't know of a family hardly that serves as selflessly and quietly as you guys do. Whether it's making coffee or just loving people in the church or praying. That there's no ribbons for that so consider i guess this is your ribbon thank you (laughs) (laughs) well prayerless church is a weak church and the 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 team if you're if you're listening and on sunday and i love it how you always say that darren if you feel like you need to go back that's the holy spirit trying to get you up out of your seat and don't don't grudge them don't just keep sitting there because i know that all those prayer warriors i mean they they really take those people to the throne and pray for them so it's not little milk toast prayers. So get up out of your seat and 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 go to them because yeah. they're ready. They're ready to pray. Well, you guys answered the question that I was going to ask uh, just a couple of minutes ago, which was how do we guard against the delusion mm-hmm. that we are faced with? And it's time in prayer, in time in the Word, and it, stay off the news. Yeah, yeah. The news will mess you up. The time in prayer and the time in the Word does not include time watching the news. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, right. Those are the two main things that, that need to be propping us up, propping up our faith so that we can see clearly and be uh, aware of the delusion yeah. that is being presented. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I would add one thing to that, which is love the truth. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. Paul is saying here. They, they love, uh, they hated the truth. Yeah. And there's something to that, that uh, we used to joke in Christian music world that part of the problem was that the truth isn't always commercially viable. Mm-hmm. Um, like what you need and what you want are not always the same thing. And so you have to ask yourself, do I love the truth? Do I want, cause I've, I've, I experienced it in my own life that if I'm actually seeking the truth, seeking Jesus, like I'll find it. If I'm seeking a narrative, if I'm seeking something that just to, to make me feel better about myself, uh, 
that's hating the truth. It's actually loving myself over the truth. And once you seek the truth through the word, right? Through prayer. And this, the Bible is it. Even if you feel like the Holy Spirit told you something, but it contradicts scripture, the Holy Spirit did not tell you that. Mm-hmm. This written word is trustworthy. It's been proven over and over again. And I think I said it Sunday, but if Jesus already fulfilled 300 and some odd prophecies in his first coming, he's not going to leave the rest of those prophecies unfulfilled. Right. There is no fulfillment of Ezekiel 36 through 39 in history, none. And that's going to be fulfilled and it could very well be fulfilled in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. And for us, that means we look up because our redemption draws nigh. Like if anything, if, if I was born with kids in the forties, fifties, I'd be like, man, what kind of a world did I raise them in? Uh, because this it's, it would seem so hopeless, but I'm thinking, I feel now like I've raised my kid in a world where Jesus is returning to it. Like this mm-hmm. is the, the disciples wished they could have been alive for this time. And here we are taking it for granted. Right. Donna, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks, Donna. Thanks for your insights. It's yeah. always good to have this discussion. Um, well, I'm sure we'll do it again soon because yep. there's <laughs> it, it, as long as this keeps ramping. Yeah, ramping. there'll be plenty of conversation. Wars and had. rumors of wars, right? Yep. <laughs> if uh, if you didn't catch last week's teaching on Sunday, you can always find that obviously on our podcast and on our YouTube. All of our information, anything that uh, that we're talking about through the podcast or on a Sunday. You can be found on our website, conduitchurch.com. Would love for you to maybe even go all the way back to maybe three or four years ago when we did a study through the book of Revelation. All of that is also on our podcast as well. If you want to kind of catch up as maybe you're, you've chosen to, to read through the book of Revelation right now, uh, we, you can go back and listen with us there also. Thank you for spending time with this and we hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.